Paul is working on the church in an amazing way. Paul is blessing the church here at Rome so that these believers will grow properly, grow properly. A lot of us have grown, but we have not grown in the right direction. There have been many things that we have mixed with our Christianity that we should not have. There are many things that we allowed that we should have disallowed. But so I believe that God is making that clearer to us. Now, we didn't just start to say these things. We've been saying these things for, I'm going to guesstimate, more than 20 years or perhaps 30, more than 30. But we, are, we have talked about a day that we were coming to where the church was going to be required to be the church and that there would be a great separation because God's people will come out of that world system, that worldliness, and they would be exclusively God's people, exclusively God's tools. Yeah, and so many Christians uh, have not uh, appreciated that. They have wanted to have both, and you cannot have both. You cannot have God and mammon, God and mammon, so you cannot have God in the world. So let's look at uh, Romans chapter 9, and we will deal with some, some complexities here in Romans 9, but you and I have the Holy Spirit to interpret things. And I would like to also say, uh, before I begin to read, sometimes we may disagree on something, but it's not enough of a disagreement for you to go find the church that you agree with in everything. You'll never grow there. You'll never grow there. And so we, we, we work out our differences. I've been married now. Well, my wife and I have been married to each other now for almost 55 years. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, we disagree on things. But I, I, I said, I won't tell you what I said to her today, but it was, it was good. But the Lord answered one of my long very long prayed prayers. He, he, he did it yesterday while I was legally watering my yard after six, after I was legally, you know, we're saints of God after I was legally watering. Uh, and God answered, answered my prayer. And he, and he woke me up in the night and I was praying and thanking him. And the power of the Holy Spirit was so present. He was resonating through my whole being. And when I was in the yard, he told me, and this is all I'm going to tell you really about it. But, ma'am? I don't know. But <laughs> she wants me to tell you all because it's all about me. <laughs> okay. Okay, well, okay. Well, this is I'm going to tell you. Well, the Lord told me he wanted me to repent to my wife about something, and he didn't want me to apologize. Yeah, whoa, I know as whoa. See, I want you to repent. And so, and so, but it was the power of God. There was something that in my own character and knowledge, it wasn't like it was some, and well, it was enough for God to say to repent, so let me leave that alone. But it was, it was something that, you know, you grow up with, you grow up being a particular way, and uh, this is just normal, it's natural for you. And, you know, I would say, this is the kind of, I'm a man who will work and work and work. And uh, a friend of mine named uh, Robert, 
Roberto Guerra, that old man saying his name. He once told me, he said, he said, you know, he said, Don, he said, he said, you and I need strong women in our lives. I said, you do, I don't. <laughs> yeah. And he said, he said, oh, yes, you do. You would kill a lesser woman. And I thought he was just making up stuff. I told you all this before. But I thought, I said, what is Robert talking about? He said, you, you, you look at what you've done to your family. You don't just uproot your family, take them across the world, uproot them and take them back across the world. He said, that would kill a lesser woman. And wow. And so Robert's words have come back sort of to inform me again. And so the Lord said, there's a difference in repenting that means you've changed, you're totally changed, and, and, and you, you've done 180 degrees, not, not 140, uh, not 179, but 180, where you don't go that way again. And so this, was, this is something I maybe I should say to all of us, men and women, because it's not like women, men are, are bad and women are great. You know, some women have those issues as well. All of us do because we're human beings. And so what God says, repent. Don't apologize. Repent. That is, allow repentance to take place in your heart. So, but it was the power of God that was there so powerfully, so powerfully, almost like August the 30th, 2020. So I'm telling us by saying those things, God has us in a place that is different than all the places I've been. So don't try to be cute with your a little apology and make a joke out of it. If God says do a full-throated repentance, a full-hearted repentance, do that, okay? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Let's look at, let's look at, uh, let's look at Romans chapter 9. Paul, t I, I did want to read something in chapter 8, and I want you to go back to chapter 8 and read a little bit, but I didn't want to read chapter 8 because I didn't want to get bogged down. Every time I think I've said enough there, I find something else that I could say, and, and that's how the Holy Spirit is, so I don't want to go back because I may not get to chapter 9. L let's look at Paul. He says to us in verse 1, I tell the truth in Christ. Notice those words. I tell the truth in Christ. Where are you located? Where is your sphere of operation? In Christ. That's where you are. You say, well, I don't know. I think I'm in, in, in the Western Hemisphere. I think I'm in, in America. You are firstly in Christ. And if you are in America first, you're not in Christ because Christ doesn't have a second place. You are in Christ, you believer. I tell you the truth in Christ where there's no error. He says, I am not lying. So if he were lying, he, he could not be, as it were, in Christ speaking this particular word. I tell you the truth in Christ, I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. Now notice what he says. He says, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. Well, I, I, many years ago, I preached a lot on, on things like this, and I remember saying to the congregation at that time that your conscience is not going to side with you when you face God. When you're at the judgment seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ is not the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment is where sinners will be, but the, the judgment seat of Christ is where believers will be, whether you will get your reward or you will lose reward. That 
that's where the, the, you will be. You will be, now you may say, oh, phew, thank you, Jesus. You know, yeah, because you're not going to be in the other one. But I'm telling you, I don't want to lose any reward. I want to receive everything that God has for me. And so your conscience is going to tell everything. Have you ever seen your little brother or your little sister and you had done something, if you grew up in the kind of home that I grew up in, and you had done something and you were trying to slyly conceal it from your parents because you knew that they had something for your body? And, and your little brother or your little sister just told everything. That's how your conscience is going to be. Your conscience is going to do that when you face the Lord at the judgment seat or even before the judgment seat. He says, I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. Why does Paul have this great sorrow and continual grief? Because Israel was missing it, as it were, seemingly on almost every front. They were missing the, 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 the fact of their, their godly um, place or the, the place of God they had. The place of God that they had, they were the people of God, of all the peoples on the earth. And I say all the peoples because there were numerous people groups and all of them on the earth, they were the only people group that had a covenant with God, that, that, that had access to God, the living God, the only one. Amen. That's amazing. That's mind-boggling. And they were missing it. They got caught up into peripheral stuff, stuff that led them away from God. And you might say, well, I'm, that's not me. Yes, it is us because culture and cultural activities pull us away from God. No matter how noble they are, when we are focused purely on that, it takes us away from God. I, I cannot be focused purely on that. And what I do in my life, when I try to find out what does God want of me, and then I give God whatever he wants of me. doesn't matter what it is, and that's how you are to comport yourself as well. He says, for I could wish that I myself were accursed from God. That's a, that's a strong statement. That is a strong statement. I could wish. And now, this is like the imperfect tense, you know, like, uh, like something that is happening and that keeps on happening. You know, and, and I learned that what the imperfect tense uh, was in Spanish before I learned it in English. And I'm not going to tell you when I learned it in Spanish. But it's that, that continual action thing. And I was starting to bring my wife in on that being a, an English teacher. She sa he says, that I could wish myself a curse from Christ. A curse from Christ is uh, something, uh, a thing devoted to God without hope of being redeemed. You devote it to God without the hope of it being redeemed. You give it to him. You know, you know for example, you know, God tells us to, 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 to give of ourselves, but he also tells us to tithe. Sometimes you know, believers will find all kinds of reasons not to tithe. Well, I just don't believe it. Well, you just stand you and you're disobedient. You know, I mean, that's just the bottom line because tithing was before the law. Just the law. Tithing was before the law. Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. And I want to talk about that too one of these days, but not necessarily about tithing, but what that all me meant. It meant something for the future. 
It meant something so that when God's people were formulated and they were all together, that the writer of Hebrews could come and give us some very deep revelations of God to show us a, 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 an understanding of God that we wouldn't have ever had if Abraham had not tithed to this man. See, Abraham was supposed to be the, the bigger, the better, the greater, but you don't ever tithe to the bigger, the better, you don't, to the lesser rather, you tithe to the bigger. And so since Abraham was supposed to be the bigger, the better, the greater, he tithed to somebody, and that somebody he tithed to was greater than the father Abraham who started the faith. Amen. Wow. And he was like the son of God. And so we now have an understanding because Abraham tithed. He did the right thing. Amen. Wow. So God is requiring of us to do the right thing. And tithing is one of those things. He says, I, I could wish myself a curse from Christ for my brethren. I could, be, I could wish myself doomed to destruction. <laughs> do you have that kind of Christianity? You don't have to answer it, but do you have that kind of Christianity? You may say, I'm working on it, Pastor. But do you have that kind of Christianity? You say, I, I could do that. I, I will tell you a, a quick story. Uh, a number of years ago, I don't remember how many. Uh, was, well, I do remember now. Uh, Gianna was just born. And my our daughter, Ginger, was in uh, a serious labor. Uh, and then Jen told me I could tell her story because her story is our story. And this is why I do that. I don't do it just like a blabbermouth pastor uh, past and father. <laughs> but she told me I could do that. And so she, she, we had gotten a call early uh, one morning. And the, uh, the call said, Marv, who called? Did Jen call? Ginger called and so told us she was in very bad labor. She had to get into the, the doctors right away. Um, and uh, the baby was coming. Her health was, uh, her blood pressure was going up so bad. Uh, she was in, in danger of, of having a stroke. Yes, okay. My wife wants to give me additional information. <laughs> so I guess, I guess she says, help him, Lord. He's old. Help him, Lord. You know? <laughs> but so, so there were two months to the birth two more months to the birth, and they had to, to, to uh, take the baby uh, immediately, and so, because for the mother and the baby to make it. And being the dad I am, I was just messed up. We got our, we had a member of our church who worked for the airlines, and um, so we called him up because we didn't have much time to get to the, to, the, to the airport. My wife was throwing some things in a suitcase. We were running, driving. And um, uh, we got her there. And, and so our, our friend was able to, to do some things to get her on the airplane. And uh, you don't need to know what he was able to do. But, but, <laughs> but he was able to get her on the airplane. Well, what happened was um, uh, our baby, our baby was, was born. And... Uh, and uh, our daughter was fine, and uh, nothing like that had happened. She was fine. The baby was fine. And we were exulting in the Lord uh, to have them both. And uh, uh, G, I could hold G in my hand like this. Her little head was here. Her little feet dangled about right there. She was a little preemie. But, and God blessed her mightily. And God blessed our daughter mightily. I'm telling you this story because at the same time, the Holy Spirit visited me in, my, in our home. And uh, he told me that he was going to take me to that day. And, uh, and, I, and I was so messed up. I said, well, let me call my wife. It was a real experience. It wasn't a dream. It wasn't an imagination. It was a real encounter with God. And so I said, please don't do it right now. I'm not ready. 
I'm not ready, you know. Uh, and uh, I was prepared on one hand, but I was not ready. Are you with me? And so I, I said, let me call my wife and tell her bye. He said, no, you'll just disturb her and there's nothing she can do. And I said, I told him, I said, well, let me talk to my daughter. Let me tell my daughter goodbye and tell her how much I love her. And he says, no, there's nothing she can do. And I said, well, let me tell my son. <laughs> and he said, you can, do, you can go tell him, uh, talk to him, but you can't tell him what's going on. And I went into the room where he was spending the night, and I went in there to tell him. Now, I wasn't going to try to fake God out. I've got more sense than that. <laughs> But I went in there to tell him, and I told him three things. I won't be, enumerate them. It's just to uh, make my story a little bit too long. And, uh, and I said to him, the last thing I said, don't leave this world without Jesus. I went back in, into the bedroom, and I remember the power of God was there. And I said this, I have not finished my job. You see, at that juncture, I was thinking about just being happy all the time. I wanted to live a life where I was just happy all the time. And I think some of you have that happiness disease. You just want to be happy. Just want to be happy. And I just wanted to be happy all the time, overflowing with happiness. I wanted things to go right in my life all the time. And I was almost making a God out of that. I believe the Holy Spirit just allowed, telling me to detour into this. And I was making, almost making a God out of that, being happy. Do you, don't raise your hand, but do you want to be just so happy that you risk everything? You mess up everybody's sphere because you want to be happy. That, that's almost where I was, but I wasn't chronic. And the Lord said, I'm going to take you. And I said, please don't. I, I've not finished what you gave me. I've not finished my assignment. And, uh, and so I, I saw a shaft of light. It was amazing that reached all the way to heaven. It was like being in a small closet and it was over every believer. And, and I knew that at any juncture, I had never understood how my life was, was one with God in that sense. And then I realized that every believer has the light of God in them in a way that in the supernatural realm, demons can, to they know who you are. I mean, uh, those um, fallen angels know who you are. You may not, but they do. And I saw it that day. I want to make this very short, but in that day, I went to, to take a shower because I thought if he's going to take me, I don't want any, I don't want any problems. So... <laughs> So I, I went, I was, I was in the shower and I was showering and, uh, and showering and I was showering, just making sure I was showering. And, and I said to these words to the Lord, I don't want to see you. I don't want to see you like I am. I've not done what you called me to do. It's not complete. He, he says, are you going to allow happiness like basically, these weren't the exact words, but to rob you of your joy? Are you going to allow the, what is happening around you to be more important than your joy? And I said, well, I don't want to see you like this. And I never thought I would utter these words, but I said, I don't want to see you like I am. I have not fully done what you wanted me to do. I have not done it. It's not complete. I said, I would rather go to hell. I'm going to see you not having done what you gave me to do. I never thought before. I thought, Paul is crazy. 
Moses was like that. Moses said, if you don't take these people in, blot my name out of your book. I used to think, these dudes are crazy. <laughs> but I was there that day. May I tell you a little bit of the story for you? I'm going to take five minutes from you now if I tell you the story. <laughs> then I, I, I got out of the shower and I threw myself on the floor like a bratty kid. And I beat the floor like this. And I said, Lord, please, God, I don't want to see you not having done what you called me to do. Please, God, beating the floor, beating the floor. Please, God. And suddenly he was gone. And there's more I could tell you about the story, but suddenly he was gone. And I looked around me like, I w it was no time for jokes, but it was like I just dodged a bullet. And, and I got up, uh, got dressed, came to the office. Dee was there. And I walked in the office, and Dee, uh, she, she was frightened. She said, Pastor, what's wrong? I said, nothing's wrong. She said, something's wrong. I said, nothing's wrong. She insisted that something was wrong. And I said, Dee, I'm just sober. Just say I'm sober. And I walked into my office. One of the pastor's wives came in to see me for just a, a brief moment. And she said, oh, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I said, nothing is wrong. She said, something's wrong. And she wouldn't look at me. And uh, in th that moment, the phone rang. And it was a prophetic brother who had been to the church. And it told me that I was going to have an encounter with God. And I had made some little cute statement. I was just having fun. I wasn't really serious or mean about it. I said to myself, he's not coming back to this church until I have my encounter with God. All these prophets going around here saying all these things. And I said it to myself, a joke. He called maybe one minute, seconds after I got in my office. He says, Pastor, Pastor Lavelle, this is so-and-so. And I said, he said, I believe God wants you to, me to come to your church. I said, I do too. Because five years, about five years after he gave me that word, it happened on that day. And he called seconds after I got into my office. And so God, God has us in a place where he can do something with us. And I want us to be aware of that and yield ourselves to God, not our own agendas. So there is a place where a, a person of God can say, I, for I could wish that I myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, not myself, but my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh who are Israelites to whom pertain. Now, he says, these are Israelites. These people have a covenant with God. They got all these promises from God. They have the law of God. These, are, these, these people have, are amazing. He says, uh, who pertain to them or belongs to them. The adoption, the glory, listen, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises and they act like they don't know God. They were acting as bad as Gentiles, many, many of them, most of them. They were as idolatrous as, as the pagans around them. What am I saying, brothers and sisters? Now, if you want Christianity light, this isn't the place. Right? Because we're going somewhere with God. 
these people were now abandoning their relationship, their closeness, their fellowship for a worldly fellowship to be like the perishing people. You know, so sometimes, and take this, this is not griping at you or, or fussing at you or trying to hurt your feelings, but there are too many of us who are willing to walk with the world to get temporal things while we abandon the eternal. Let us not do that. This is too much for us to give up for the temporary, for some happiness. Joy is better than happiness because happiness depends on what's happening. Joy comes from the Lord, comes from an eternal source. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so he says, all of these are wonderful things. He stops with the promises. And let me go back. Okay, I'll do it quickly. He said, I could wish myself a curse from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain or belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, the promises. He said, of whom are the fathers and from whom are come, and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. He calls Christ God. He says he's the eternally blessed God. But notice what he says here. He talks about his people being the Israelites. He talks about them um, having all these amazing blesses, blessings from God, adoption. Adoption had to do with being adopted as a son. It was a relationship which God was pleased to establish to make Israel his firstborn. And you and I now are adopted sons by God. That means that we can take care of the family business right now. And the family business is not being an also ran. You know, you're just one among all the people doing stuff. Or you come to church for holy quietness. You know, you don't want to hear from God. You want to tell God what you got on your agenda and then tell the people that and go home. No, but in this house, we will hear from God. And we will hear from God in a multiplicity of ways. So God established the relationship of son between himself and the Israelites in preference to all the other nations. This is amazing. And you and I are now the nation of God. We're the nation of God. And so we have to be careful getting wrapped up into all of these external externalities. These external things. So let's be, watch that and follow Jesus. Just follow Jesus. And so we are true disciples. We are true sons of God. We have now, all of us who, who are saved, have received the Holy Spirit. And now the very life of God lives in us. So adoption. They were giving all of that up. They were giving the glory. Uh, let's talk. I ask you for five minutes for me telling you the rest of my story. So the glory has to do with Exodus. Let me talk a little bit about, read that from Exodus chapter 16, verse 10. If you can find that and then try to find Exodus 24, 17 after that. 
and we'll just show you a little bit about it. I won't get to all of it. I won't try to do that. Okay, Exodus 16, 10. It says, Now it came to pass, as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. They saw God. Whew. Look at Exodus 24, 17. Exodus 24, 17. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. Wow. This is how important Israel was, and Paul knew it. Look at 1 Kings 8, 11, and then I'll move on. 1 Kings 8, 11. 1 Kings 8, 11 says, so that the priest could not continue ministering. They were in the house of the Lord ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Right now, the glory of the Lord fills every house that is his. If you are his, there's the glory of God. I told you the vision that I had that uh, a, a day or the day that our daughter, uh, granddaughter Gianna was born. And I saw a shaft of light that was over me or surrounded me. It looked like it was its own elevator shaft. And I realized at that moment, the moment that God does whatever he does to bring a saint home, that, that light just comes up to God. I saw it. It was an experience. It, experience. it was not my imagination. In this story of 1 Kings chapter 8, he talks about the glory of the Lord feeling, feeling the house of God so powerfully. They saw God, as it were. They saw his essence. They may not have seen his actual form, but they saw his essence to the place that he so filled the temple that they couldn't do what they were doing. They fell down. They could not minister. Yes, and so, but we don't want that kind of a, an experience with God. We want a controllable experience with God. We want to have our hands on, on glory's thermostat. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. So, so let's look at what Paul is saying a little bit. And I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to make an early entrance, uh, exit. So Paul says, I want to read this again. When he talks about the, the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, promises. And he says, verse 5, of whom are the fathers? The fathers, Abraham. A man who so believed God. That when he heard God said, take up Isaac, your son. Now listen what God says. Your only son. I want you, if you circle your Bible and, and mark, it, mark it. So put a circle around your only son. This is very important to what Paul is going to be sharing with us in uh, these three chapters. He said, he said go up on, on a mountain. I will show you and I want you to sacrifice him to me there. Now the pagans all around him sacrificing their children. Crazy stuff crazy idiotic stuff but he heard God tell him to do that he knows these pagans are not godly people and Abraham is taught he talks to God all the time 
You talk to God. But now God is telling them, go up, go and do this thing. So he, he went up on the mountain, took Abraham, uh, Isaac, Isaac said, hey, daddy. He said, uh, said that we, we, uh, we have the wood. We have everything we need. We have the fire. But where is the lamb for the sacrifice? This boy's going up. Well, hey, daddy, daddy, what, what are we going to do, Dad? He says, son, God will provide himself a lamb. On that mountain, on that mountain, when Abraham did what I just couldn't do, this is what he says. We are the people that these people, we are the progeny of these people. Abraham, the father's Abraham. And God says, don't do it, Abraham. Don't do it. I see now you're the person I can start this family with. He said, and Abraham looked, and there was the sacrifice over there. Ram caught him the thickest by the horn, took that and sacrificed it to God. He said, oh, the father. So Israel had and still does have a glorious history of the fathers. Isaac stayed in the land and trusted God, prospered immensely, even though there was paganism and craziness all around him. You and I don't have to put our hands to the craziness. We need to put our hands to the work of God. But we must not trust God. We must not trust God. But we feel like we've got to go out there and join the crazies. Listen what he said. Jacob, Jacob, quickly, Jacob. We'll enlarge upon it later. Jacob. Now, I'm not telling you Jacob was not a rascal. I mean, and God, God chose him. Chose him over Esau. We're going to get to that later as well. But God chose him over Esau. These are very important points. He was a rascal, but he didn't stay a rascal, everybody. <laughs> there was some using Jacob to, to, to uh, 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 sort of uh, explain your lack of progress in God. But he didn't stay a rascal. He, of course, you know, he went to Syria to his uncle Laban. Jacob was a, was a trickster. You know, he tricked his brother Esau in, in a real sense out of his birthright and the blessing. He, he goes to Laban, sees that girl over there named, named uh, Rachel. He just loves her. She's so pretty. And he loves her and he wants to marry her. And Laban, uh, uh, Laban tricks him. I'll give her to you. And uh, so they had the tent light. The marriage ceremony was gone. And he comes up the next morning. Really like, that ain't, that ain't that ain't Rachel. Can I say it like that? That ain't Rachel. It's Leah. And she wasn't too good looking. <laughs> Got tricked, didn't he? That's all the world's going to do is just trick you. And then so, so as the story goes on, Laban keeps deceiving him, lying to him. But Jacob is now, he's, he's going to get out of there. And he's got his, his now two wives. He now has Rachel as a wife. And, and Leah, of course, Leah the first and, and Rachel. And then he's, he's going back. He's going back to his home country. And he, he's afraid of his brother Esau because Esau said, I'm going to kill you, buddy. 
And that's all the world wants to do with you. They want to use you up and then throw you out. And then you're, you've now joined the world and you're not part of the Christ company that does everything that Jesus wants. And now you come back dragging in. Forgive me, Lord. And, and he, he's good. He's going to forgive you. But now you may have 10 more days of life left, man. I mean, I'm just saying it's not fair to the God who saved you. But anyway, on the story, on the story going back, I know you all know the story maybe better than I, but, but going back to Israel, he meets an angel, and he wrestles with this angel. He fights with this angel. An amazing story. He wrestled with God. It was not an angel. It was the angel of the Lord. It was Jesus. And he wrestled with him. He wrestled with him until the angel said, let me go. It was the angel of the Lord. Let me go. I, I've got to get back before the day, day it breaks. And, and he, Jacob wouldn't let him go. I want you to have that kind of faith because Paul is saying, this is, this is uh, Israel, Israelites are of this stock. They are of this stock. This is who they come from. And you now are children of Abraham because, because of Jesus Christ. You now are of this stock. And so he wrestled with the angel. And the angel hit him in the hollow of his thigh. And Jacob never walked the same. What does Jesus have to do so that you and I never walk the same? Let us not walk in the imagination of our minds or of our hearts because you don't know everything. Jesus knows everything. So of the fathers and from whom according to the flesh, listen, whom according to the flesh, for whom according to the flesh, Christ came. Christ came. Now listen, Christ is your elder brother. He is your elder brother. Christ is your Lord. He is your God. But Christ, in his natural, in his humanity, was born of the Spirit. For the Logos of God was placed in the womb of Mary by the Holy Spirit. And Christ came forth. But Christ himself said that you and I must be born again. And he says, that those of us who are born of the flesh, we are flesh. Those of us who are born of the Spirit, we are spirit. So we are born sons of God. And the only reason that you don't see it in an emphatic way is because of this body. This body is veiling who you are. Thank you, Jesus. And Christ, your elder brother, is over all. He's over everything. He is the eternally blessed God. That's what God wants you to know. And if you don't know this, you won't grow properly. If you don't walk in it, you won't grow properly. 
Let's grow properly. Let's grow powerfully. And let us not be content with a nice little mamby-pamby relationship with God. Amen. Thank you for your time. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, I want you to think about it. I'm going to sit down. Sister Stephanie and the praise team are going to uh, sing something. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to ask you to think about it. Do you want everything that is in existence for you just in this life? Do you want, you know, to have a lot of money, comfortable place? I, I would like money. There's nothing wrong with money. It's the love of it. Would, I want to, I, nothing wrong with a nice house. But I don't need a house so big that, that all the people on my street could come in and I still have rooms available. I don't need to gather up everything in this life because the Lord is, is not about things. Christianity is not about a lot of things. Christianity is about knowing one person. You can't even see God the Father without knowing that one person. And then from him comes all of your need. If you don't know him like that, I'm going to come back in a minute. I'm going to ask you to give your heart to Jesus. All right? I'm going to ask you to give your heart to Jesus. I'm going to come back in just a minute and ask you to get, give your heart to Jesus. Okay? Make up your mind. Think about it. Sister